You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you're a 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Coming at you twice a week here in the offseason. That's Mark Brandy. I'm Evan Giddings. Please download the 415ers on the Odyssey app. Check us out wherever you download your podcast from. Uh, we got some updates from a new defensive coordinator in San Francisco, Mark. We're going to take a look a little bit deeper into the schedule and also, of course, talk about some of the reasons why we believe and maybe why we also mm. want to hesitate a bit on what we've seen from the 49ers this offseason heading into, of course, 2023. But before we do so, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, it was a tough ending for a Bay Area team this weekend. Of course, the Golden State Warriors uh, are over with. I know uh, baseball season is, is really just beginning, but with the end of basketball season, I can't help but feel like we're uh, a step closer to football. So I'm sad about the Warriors. Uh, I'm, I'm sad that it ended uh, the way it did, especially to the Lakers. Um, but it does get me a little bit more excited for football season. I know we're really not that much closer. It just kind of feels mentally to me. Um, of course, before football starts, you have to have basketball end, and now we have that at least in the Bay Area. So it feels like we're, we're inching closer to football, which excites me. But uh, overall, I'm doing well, Evan. How, how are you? I'm good. And that, that's a great point. Like, I wonder where for everyone the football season officially starts kind of deal. I know for a lot of people it's 365 and that's understandable because it seems like it never stops. And the carousel, of course, that keeps this podcast moving. We are very much appreciative of, <laughs> but for everyone. Okay. Like, am I done? Obviously at the end of the regular season or wherever your, your team finishes in the playoffs, but then where do you pick back up? I think that's, that's a really interesting question. And if anyone would like to let us know, we are more than happy to discuss it. Uh, but what we're going to be leading off today with, Mark, is the new D.C. Steve Wilkes came over from Carolina this offseason, of course, replacing D'Amico Ryans, who takes the head coaching job with the Houston Texans. And this is one of the first times we had heard him publicly speak, was available to the media and the press as recording on Monday here, for those of you listening on Tuesday. And you know, was asked kind of a myriad of things about how he's going to approach this defense, maybe some of his um, additions. And a couple of things that, that caught my arm are, one, you know, the fact that he's admitting, hey, like if it ain't broke, don't fix it, basically. Mm-hmm. You're inheriting the number one offense as far as points per game and yards allowed per game are concerned. So you probably don't need to tinker a whole lot. Uh, but also the the foundation that was agreed upon with Shanahan, he's going to try and maintain. 
there's a couple of adjustments he did reference a little bit, which we can dig into. But the other part that he discussed was the fact that his guy from Carolina, Isaiah Oliver, kind of comes in as the expected nickel cornerback. And so we were discussing before the pod, you know, with 19 of 22 guys from last year coming back as starters, uh, where were the openings? We, we discussed the kicker. You know, we discussed uh, kind of the nickel spot. Uh, but Steve Wilkes gave us some clarity on where those position battles might be happening based on who the starters were at the end of last season. Yeah, it's one of the key spots that we didn't really have an answer to yet was nickel corner. And it's a really important spot. The 49ers and really every team across the NFL in today's day and age where teams just pass so much, everyone plays a lot of nickel corner. I know we're going to kind of run through how the team starting lineup might look different now that we have most of the roster kind of sorted out. How many different starters should you expect this year to next year? I know technically you can you know include three starting linebackers, uh, which some teams do, a lot of teams do, but more often than not, the 49ers start three corners and just two linebackers because they play nickel so much. Um, now, you know, they're going to have three linebacker sets. They're going to have three cornerback sets, five defensive back sets. That's why that corner is known as the nickel corner, the fifth defensive back uh, in a, you know, coverage. Um, but that's a really, really important spot. I say all that to say that he's basically a starter for this 49ers defense. And we got a little bit of, as you're saying, clarity from Steve Wilkes, who as meeting with the media says Oliver is someone that I had the opportunity to go against being in that division. We didn't exactly know what was going to happen in free agency with Jimmy Ward, of course, who left to go to the Houston Texans. And then when that didn't happen, we wanted to make sure that we got the best nickel in free agency. And that's what we went out and did. So I'm excited about Isaiah Oliver is what new defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes said about him. So it seemed pretty clear, Evan, the 49ers were thinking, all right, if we can get Jimmy Ward back, that would be great. He was great as a nickel last year. We are already know what he can do as a safety. But if we can't, well, let's go out and get the best guy we possibly can to fill that position. So it seems to me, at least, Evan, that was the plan from the get-go, that they expect Isaiah Oliver to be starting quality at that position. And then what does it mean for the rest of the defense? We can get into that. Um, but I think it does give me a little bit of, I don't know, encouragement. It makes me feel a little bit better about the plan for the 49ers defensively that they went out and got what they think is one of, if not the best, nickel corner guys. And they expect him just to slot in and fill that role. It leaves all the other depth and all the other pieces to fill in some holes elsewhere. Yeah, so Isaiah Oliver from Atlanta, uh, the guy I was referring to earlier, Miles Hartsfield comes from Carolina with Steve Wilkes. But as far as the defense is concerned, that 4-3 that setup, really the only other spot to me, Mark, that was kind of open in that defense that they run primarily. I mean, you can occasionally put a slot a third linebacker in there, you know, whether it's Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, Oren Burks, uh, new draftee, D winners. Whoever else is going to be that that third linebacker is certainly up for grabs. Um, but the nickel the nickelback is very important, and we saw Jimmy Ward man that position well last year. The, the really the only other position that, in my opinion, Mark on defense, and that Steve Wilkes is going to have to, I guess, 
not put up for grabs, but make some evaluation on would be the the other defensive end spot. And Drake Jackson probably has the the short path to that at this point. Um, but he referenced specifically in his, in his press conference the want to play with speed. And Jackson can add that. That's also a reason like why you mentioned two linebackers is primarily what they play with. Drake Greenlaw, Fred Warner, two of the fastest downhill and sideline to sideline linebackers in football. Um, and he discussed Wilkes did the fact that he wants to blitz with those guys a lot more this year. So, you know, if you're looking at defensive end, you're looking at nickelback, it does appear like there is more, uh, or I should say less fog from the defense and more clarity come into the picture as, as far as what Wilkes wants to do. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I don't expect him to tinker with this a whole lot. The question to me more is, if and when they do face adversity, if and when teams are able to put points up against them, how do you adjust more schematically, uh, of course, than you know, utilizing your roster because he inherits the, the best in football, <laughs> frankly? Yeah, no, I mean, there's a ton of talent on both sides of the football, but specifically on defense, you're right. The left defensive end spot is something to keep an eye on throughout camp. I think the 49ers are hoping We'll see how it actually works out, but I imagine they're hoping it is Drake Jackson. He had a pretty good start to the year last year, Evan, if you remember, but there were a few times down the stretch where he was a healthy inactive. He wasn't even active on game days, and it's not because of an injury. The 49ers wanted depth elsewhere, and you know they, they activated a number of defensive linemen above him, so it wasn't the best close to his rookie year but you're right I mean he's got to be the most athletic uh quick athletic freak the 49ers have as a defensive end other than of course the best defender in football in Nick Bosa um you know no one's going to be better than him at those sorts of things but it does seem pretty clear to me that Drake Jackson is the next most athletic guy that they have I mean the other options are Kerry Hyder Jr who of course we know he's been with the 49ers for multiple years and multiple stints now. Um, on the outside, you have a couple of guys you just brought in, and Austin Bryant and Cleland Farrell as well. Those are the guys competing for that spot. But if I had to handicap it, I would I would put Drake Jackson as the clear favorite to be that starter week one at left defensive end. And that's certainly the hope for the 49ers. You spent your highest overall pick. It was a second-round pick but your highest overall pick on him in 2022, you hope going into his sophomore year that he is a starter and you can rely on him to play the majority of snaps opposite Nick Bosa. Now, the other one that I think is interesting, you mentioned left defensive end uh, in addition uh, to the the other spot, the nickel corner spot uh, being one of question. The other one I have questions on, Evan, uh, is just the second corner. Because there are a few options at that spot as well. I mean, Charvarius Ward is far and away the best corner on this team, and he's going to play one spot, most likely on the left side. That's where he prefers. But where is the second starter coming from? If you believe in what happened last year, it seems likely that Diamador Lenore is going to be that guy. Of course, he took over when there was an injury in the secondary last year. Um, and he didn't do great, but but he wasn't bad. The other options there are Ambry Thomas, who's in the same draft class as Diamador Lenore. Also, Samuel Womack, who was a rookie last year. And there was a lot of talk about him in the preseason and early in the season. 
And then I know Quantrez Knight is uh, a name that got a lot of run last year in the preseason and is is probably going to have a bit of a hype train coming for him this offseason as well. I know there are a lot of people out there that really like him. Um, but that's another spot I'll be keeping an eye on. I think similar to Drake Jackson, Evan, if I were to handicap it, I'd, I'd say Diamador Lenore is a pretty high favorite, but it, it's not a, a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. If, if one of those guys that I mentioned has a fantastic offseason and really impresses, they could certainly be the team starting number two corner. Well, and that's why, Mark, I think that the comments that Steve Wilkes made about some slight adjustments to the defense were interesting to hear because obviously uh, D'Amico Ryans, before him Robert Sala, have created a dominant unit on defense, and there hasn't needed to be much adjustment. But one thing that caught my eye, or ear, I should say, is the fact Mm -hmm. that in addition to wanting to blitz more to utilize the speed of Fred Warren and Dre Greenlaw, was also playing more man. And the 49ers are a team that, because of their speed, are able to play, you know, not not predominantly, but able to play a lot of zone uh, and use it to their advantage. But playing more man uh, is something that I feel like maybe throughout the regular season isn't something that is extremely noticeable. There's a lot of offenses that, depending on your roster, your personnel, uh, you can get away with playing either. And you just can play to your strengths, you impose your will. But in the playoffs, Later down the stretch of the season, how are you able to adjust your de- defense to what opposing offenses like to do? And I know that Traverius Ward, coming over from Kansas City, Steve Spagnola likes to play a lot of man. Um, he's a, he, he can play press. I question if Diamador Lenore, along with other of those corners, can do so. I think that's a big reason why we're seeing Isaiah Oliver as the preferred nickelback for Steve Wilkes, because he can play man. Um, that's something where I, I see that potential adjustment being valuable down the stretch of a season. Why I think he wants, why I think he wants to emphasize that, uh, because when you have a defensive line along with blitzers that can get to the quarterback quickly, if you are able to play man, if you're able to get up and press, you limit the amount of time, maybe not beyond three or four seconds in which a wide receiver can get open, but you, if you get enough time for your guys to get to the quarterback, uh, that can be a very effective means just to, you know, put an opposing offense behind the sticks. Uh, so I think Steve Wilkes is maybe not trying to put his fingerprints all over this defense, but sees where he can maybe tinker with a little bit. The only place I question that is, of course, you need the personnel to play man. And I think that's going to depend mostly on how much they can get to the quarterback and how good that defensive line is the addition of Hargrave to go along with Bosa and Armstead and hopefully where Jackson can help as more of a speed rusher, I think can be a big boost for that. Uh, but I, I was interested and um, well, not, not necessarily surprised, but you know, I was happy to hear that he wants to introduce more man to this 49ers defense, which to me can play it uh, and is athletic enough to do so. Yeah. And I think one thing that the 49ers have that is benefiting them, obviously a new defensive coordinator coming in, but something you mentioned off the top Uh, I mean, Kyle Shanahan's goal was to hire someone who, you know, enjoys, prefers the scheme and, you know, the the four three that they already employ and play and use. And that's the case with Steve Wilkes. But on top of that, it's that this is, for the most part, the same group as last year. I mean, we're, we're talking about some of the potential changes in the starting lineups. I mean, defensively, 
there there's a, at times it kind of depends exactly what time you're referring to when you're looking at the starting lineup from last year. But let's say at the end of the season, Drake Jackson really wasn't starting. It was more so Samson Ebukam. So that left defensive end spot, that's going to be a new starter. Uh, one of the defensive tackles, Javon Hargrave, that's going to be a new starter. You have Armstead, you have Bosa, you have Dre Greenlaw, you have Fred Warner, you have Charvarius Ward, you have Talanoa Hufanga, you have Deshaun Gibson, and most likely you have Diamador Lenore, who at the end of the year, was the team's starter. Of course, early in the year, it was Emmanuel Mosley, but late in the year, it was uh, it, it was Giamador Lenore for the 49ers. So really, you have maybe a new starter at left defensive end, maybe a new or most likely a new starter, very likely a new starter on the defensive uh, line at defensive tackle spot next to Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave. And then you have a new starter at nickel, most likely with Isaiah Oliver. But pretty much everywhere else, Evan, you have the same guys on one of the best defenses from last year. So I, I'm with you. Steve Wilkes has the ability to make some minor changes here and there. And for the most part, he has an extremely talented, extremely physical, and extremely cohesive group that has already had success together. It should make some of the, those changes a little bit easier to digest and swallow. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network coming at you twice a week here in the offseason, and three times a week in the regular season. That's Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Download the Odyssey app and please download the 415ers using it. Okay, Mark, uh, the other thing we wanted to discuss this week was, you know, taking a look at a minor, uh, a deeper dive into the, the schedule. We talked about maybe some of the tougher stretches uh, strength of schedule, how it might play a little bit more differently than the uh, the percentages would tell you at face value. But but who could sort of surprise the 49ers this year in 2023? I, I have a couple of, of teams pegged down. Um, Non-coincidentally, they're all on the road. But before I, I, I get into <laughs> mine, uh, where, where, do your, where does your mind go when you think about I don't know, the 49ers schedule and which stretches could be more difficult than others? Um. So this is an interesting one. And when I first looked up the schedule, um, I don't know how you originally reacted, Evan, but I just immediately was like, okay, I think the 49ers will start 4-0. Like, it looks like they could do that. And then I, I started, you know, thinking a little bit more about each matchup. You're on the road at Pittsburgh. That was not a playoff team last year. Um, and that's what I was initially basing my rapid reaction off of. And then you're on the road against the Los Angeles Rams, just a pitiful team last year. But of course you expect them at least week two to be for the most part healthy. Um, you would expect that if they're not, this disaster has struck a second year in a row for the Rams. Um, but that was my first thought, but if they're healthy, they still have, uh, you know, a lot of talent. And then after that, you have the New York giants who of course were a playoff team last year, but not, all too impressed with what they did. I don't know. It, it seemed a little bit more fluky to me than anything. Uh, and then you're at home against Arizona. And, and I'm my initial reaction to that is the same. They are terrible, but that's why I thought they would be four and Oh, but I, I dove into it a little bit more in Pittsburgh on the road for week one, throw out, you know, who they have at quarterback. Um, and Kenny Pickett had a decent close to last year. I think he'll probably be better and the team as a whole might be a little bit better. TJ Watt likely gonna, going to be back after he was out for a lot of last season. Um, 
Pittsburgh does not lose home games in week one. They, they're just not one of those franchises that do. Like, how often do they lose a week one at home? It, like, almost never happens historically. So I think I just immediately overlooked the beginning of the season, Evan. And then you throw in the fact that who knows if Brock Purdy is going to be healthy, who knows who's going to be at quarterback for the 49ers. I think for me, the stretch that surprised me and could potentially stretch the 49ers Maybe it's the first month of the season. I, I wrote it up as 4-0, and and, and I'm already having second thoughts on it, so I don't know. No, I, I'm 100% with you, although I don't just look at week one. I also kind of look at week two. Fair. As well as the third, only because the New York Giants are on a Thursday night, and, and I think that those games are a little more wonky than, than people want to give credit to. Um, but I, I do think... If there's an opportunity for the 49ers to get randomly upset, I actually, I don't think the Steelers are going to be perceived as poorly as, you know, maybe a lot of, a lot of teams look at them. Um, they're going to get TJ Watt back. They're going to have a good defense. They're going to be at home. I think Pickett is going to improve in his second season and they don't, I mean, they, they have a, a decent amount of weapons. I don't think that's as bad of a team as people look at them. So if the 49ers lost that game, I wouldn't be surprised. Like that to me is a line where you're looking at, you know, maybe three and a half, four on the road as as an underdog. Um, and maybe, maybe even with the 49ers roster, that's closer to even, even though they, they are on the road. But the Rams to me, that's the one place where I could see them. Like the Rams are not going to have a great defense this year but they're getting Cooper Cup back. Matthew Stafford's going to be healthy. It's going to be early in the year. And Sean McVay, while he doesn't have a great regular season record at all against the 49ers, um, I just I feel like that first game could physically take a toll to the Niners, whereas the second second week, um, the Rams just, they, they scare me a little bit as a team that it will be a heavy underdog that could potentially pick up a win. So I'm not... I also look. I, I told us. I told you in the last episode. Like I'm high in the Niners. I think they'll, they'll stack wins early. But that to me is going to be a very tough game. Uh, the other ones I'm looking at. You might not like this, Mark. But week uh, seven, yeah, Monday yeah. night. Yeah, you're going there at Minnesota. Yeah. Because one, it's going to be a tough environment. Uh, number two, the Vikings will be coming off, in my opinion, kind of an easier week. They're going to be at Chicago, so they're coming home. And the 49ers will be on the tail end of their toughest two-game road stretch of the season. And I think that could be I, I think that could be a tough, a tough one for the Niners. I know that Kirk Cousins is is not your favorite quarterback, Mark, but keep an eye out for week seven. Uh I gotta ask you, is Kirk Cousins gonna be starting that game week seven against the Niners? You think so? I do. Oh, and I also forgot to mention, yeah, week two, I also don't think the 49ers will have Brock Purdy, so they'll be more susceptible to a loss. Week seven, I think they will have Brock Purdy, but I think that's going to be a tough game. The other one that I, I penciled, Mark, that could, I think, surprise some people is week 10, coming off the bye mm. at Jacksonville. That's one of the few games in which not only you're making the East Coast trip, you're playing early. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, one and four, coming off of byes. Not very good. And Jacksonville is a very good team. I know they surprised a lot of people last year, uh, especially winning a playoff game, but they were pretty damn good throughout the year consistently, especially um, their offense. Third year for Trevor Lawrence. I think that's going to be a tough game. So if I had to pick three, it'd be week two against the Rams, 
week seven against the Vikings, week 10 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, interesting. Um, so Kirk Cousins starting week seven for Minnesota against the 49ers. Uh, I think in principle, I can understand what you're saying. However, however, I think you're overlooking one, one major statistic here. Mm-hmm. It's a Monday night game. Kirk Cousins is terrible in primetime, Evan. How could you overlook this? He never wins in primetime. There is no way in hell he's beating the 49ers on Monday night football. Just not happening. That's all I'll say. I thought that was more attributable to the Sunday night slate for Kirk Cousins. Oh, it's I mean, for that's, all that's the real it's for, primetime. It's for all primetime slates. He does not do well when the lights are the brightest. So. Well, Justin Jefferson does, which is really all I all I care about when it comes Fair to the enough. Minnesota Vikings. Uh, one, I, I was looking at that portion of the schedule as well before the bye. I do think that's kind of a, a really tough four-week stretch. You have Sunday night football against Dallas at home. Dallas is a really good team, one of the better teams in the NFC. And then you have that really tough road trip you're talking about, Cleveland and Minnesota, Whatever you think about the Vikings doesn't matter. That's a a, a tough road trip to have consecutive games on the road. And then you come home on a short week after a Monday game against a very good Cincinnati Bengals team all before the bye. I think at that point, Evan, you are liable to kind of get in a haze. You're you're itching for the bye. You're so ready to have a week off and, and get your bodies and your minds right a little bit. Um, that you can kind of get into a little bit of a funk before that buy. And those are four, while you know a couple of them aren't world beaters by any stretch, they're all not bad teams. I mean, even the Browns with everything about Deshaun Watson, they have a ton of talent on that team. None of those teams are bad. And all of that consecutively with a couple of them on the road leading up to a bye week could be a tough stretch as well. So I think that might be a, a little bit of an overlooked stretch for the 49ers that could prove to be pretty difficult yeah i'm with you like the eyes automatically are drawn to weeks 12 through 14 against seattle philadelphia yeah. seattle two of which on the road but um no I, I'm, I'm with you i think if there if there is a tough stretch it is right before the bye which is also why i think to your point last episode why the bye comes at a great time for the 49ers because you're probably going to be licking your wounds a little bit mm-hmm. even if you come out advantageously so that is a great time and a, a great note as well. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings, Mark Randy with you as always. Please download the Odyssey app. Check us out on there. Download, rate, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts from. So the, the schedule, uh, you know, it, it'll always change. But what I, I thought would be interesting to get into this week more, kind of a lighter week as far as content is concerned, is some of the re- reasons that we can come back and review, but reasons to believe and maybe also not be as confident in the 49ers when it comes to Super Bowl contention. Because I, I think we're both confident that the playoffs should be in line for the 49ers, barring catastrophic injury, barring a complete meltdown. This team will be in the postseason. But the question is, can you compete for a Super Bowl? Can you be not only in the final four, but ideally the final two when it comes to the end of the 2023 year? So first, Mark, I mean, I guess, how do you want to break this down? Do you want to start with the reasons for or against? How do you want to get into this? I guess I think um, we might have more fun doing the reasons for. So let's start with against and save the best for last. You all right with that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. 
Uh, I guess I'll go first. I think the the first reason I have, I don't know if, if you share the same thoughts, is just questions about the health of your quarterback room. Um, and it's multiple guys. Brock Purdy, of course, with his elbow surgery. I know Kyle Shanahan said last week, and we talked about it last week, that if there aren't any you know, backward steps, uh, he expects him to be ready by training camp. I said it last week. I'll say it one more time. I'll believe it when I see it because I don't believe it just yet. And then you have Trey Lance, who's coming off of major, major ankle surgery for a mobile quarterback who is expected to use his legs consistently when he's in the game. Um, and then there's just the questions of I still don't really know who Trey Lance is as a, as a quarterback. Um, and the, the other guy you have behind him is Sam Darnold. And he's shown you absolutely nothing to make you believe that he can be a quality everyday starter on a team that is competing for a Super Bowl. So number one, before anything else, Evan, it's just questions about the quarterback room. Um, until I have some solid reason to believe that Brock Purdy is ready and good to go, um, and if he's not, that Trey Lance is a good quarterback at this level, I'm not ready to guarantee anything because I just need to see the most important position uh, figured out. And at this point, while you have the guys you would like to have on your roster, you just don't quite know what they're going to look like. So number one for me, it's it's the uncertainty of the quarterback position. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it, it has to be. It's really the only spot that, I mean, we've talked about some, you know, shoring up maybe the nickel, maybe the left end uh, on, on defense. The the kicker, of course, has addressed this offseason. The, the biggest question mark is the quarterback spot, and that's also, I think, a complement to how good the rest of the roster is, that sure. you don't even think about, all right, who's, who's the second wide receiver? Who's the second, maybe the second tight end, but, you know, who's, like, the 49ers have to figure out who's going to be under center. Um, one thing that, Stood out to me. I don't know if it's a reason not to believe in them as a Super Bowl contender, but it's a reason for me more down the line to look at them kind of with a, a, a puzzled look is their financial hierarchy, Mark, is mm. is interesting to me because I was just taking a look at last year, how positions stack up as far as annual, how money is distributed. Number one, of course, is quarterback. Number two, wide receiver. Number three would be edge. Number four, your O-line. Number five is the D-tackle spot. But the 49ers, their highest paid players are as follows per as far as cap hit is concerned. Trent Williams, number one. Eric Armstead, number two. George Kittle, number three. Nick Bosa, number four. I expect him after his <laughs> soon-to-be extension to move all the way to the top of this list. Yeah. And then Trey Lance, interestingly enough, is number five. That to me is something that when you win, you can overlook because players are aligned, they're in lockstep, everyone is all good. But when or if you continue to run into this wall, and I'm not saying being in the final four coming up short in the playoffs is anything to you know besmirch, but as players on this team that have been around this organization for a long time, you start to look around and wonder if the money is being distributed appropriately and especially hmm. if say your backup quarterback trey lance is your fifth highest paid player on the roster then someone might look at the front office and say you know it's it's kind of interesting what they're doing there and that's your point about what the quarterback room is going to look like how it's going to play out but also how do the players on the team perceive it 
Uh, Debo Samuel, even though his cap hit is lower this year, his average, his average salary is pretty high. Uh, if he doesn't produce at the level that perhaps Brandon Ayuk did last year, this upcoming season, people might look at him and say, was that money handed out appropriately? I, I just think that when I look at the way the roster and the payroll plays out for the 49ers, it's not a reason on the field to maybe say, hey, they can't get it done. But I do think that if there's maybe a tough stretch, maybe they the season doesn't go the way they hope it will, there's a potential for fracturing based on the way that the roster uh, is financially compensated. That's interesting. I hadn't considered that. I think maybe if my my only thing I would I would fire back at you is I'm not sure that exists when it's in relation to players still on rookie deals. Like for example, Trey Lance is on his rookie deal and and that was the price mm-hmm. he was locked in at when they drafted him. Now, if they re-sign him to something relatively big or, you know, much more than whoever their starting quarterback is at the time, and they still use Trey Lance as their backup, I I could see things flaring up there a little bit. I think it's similar right now with Brandon Ayuk because he's still on his rookie deal as well. You know, of course, that will likely change next offseason, but you can kind of see maybe things bubbling, um, but I'm not sure you see too much, at least with those two guys as examples, Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk. I'm not sure you see those things really affecting the team at least I would hope right now because again they are on just their first deals as professionals now if things continue along this train and they're still being paid a lot or not enough commensurate to what they do and making less than than other wide receivers who are perhaps perceived as not as important or whatever the situation is I think that's when it could become a major issue And that's certainly something that the team will keep an eye on when it comes to all these decisions. We've talked so much about the wide receiver room and likely someone's got to go. They're considering that as well when it comes to these contract decisions for Brandon Ayuk, for Debo Samuel, for all of that. So I think you have a good point. I am just not certain it's something that's really going to affect the team this year, at least with, with those two examples. No, I, I I don't expect it to, or at least I, I hope it won't. But it's something that, again, if you face any adversity, I think, like you mentioned, bubbles a little bit more to the surface. And look, Trey Lance, even though he's the fifth highest paid player, again, quarterback is the highest paid position on average yeah. in the NFL. So it's not like they're overpaying for a guy that's not going to play, even if his cap hit is around $9 million. Um, Brandon Ayuk is, is interesting. I, I just think that they're, again, this is more of a down the road concern for me, but how do you look at what you're worth with your production when you've already seen the Niners handed out at the time appropriately large contracts to George Kittle, to Debo Samuel, to Fred Warner, whose play potentially could decline in their, you know, I guess Debo would be his second or, or third year of his deal, uh, but George Kittle, you know, his fourth year of his deal, Fred Warner, third or fourth year of the deal, you're going to obviously pay Nick Bosa, but Trent Williams is being paid $27 million. I just think that there's guys on the roster that are going to have to step up and contribute at a high level that won't necessarily be expected to get those kind of numbers. Well, let's game this out. Let's say Brandon Ayuk is a little frustrated entering this year. He's making way less than Debo Samuel. And say Ayuk has a, has a great first six weeks. 
He's the team's leading receiver. He has six touchdowns through six games. He is doing incredible things, and Debo Samuel has become second fiddle big time. Uh, and George Kittle is more active in the passing game than Debo is. Debo is the 49ers' fourth best offensive player behind Ayuk, Kittle, and McCaffrey. Let's just say that's how it goes. And Brandon Ayuk is frustrated, and he goes to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and says, hey, it's starting to real, really piss me off that Debo Samuel is making so much more money than him. But as you can see on the field every single week, I am better and I am more important and more valuable. What does the 49ers front office say? They say, hey, Brandon, we agree. We want you here for a long time. The reason Debo Samuel is making more money than you is because he's been in the league longer than you and he's already gone through this negotiation process and you haven't yet. It is coming. Your time is coming. We're going to give you the bag. Everything will be all right. You just need to be a team player through this season. Then the question becomes, Evan, okay, how does Brandon Ayuk respond to that kind of conversation? And maybe he's just not the kind of person who takes that sort of thing well. I don't really know. But that's how the conversation would go. And generally, as we've talked about countless times, the 49ers take care of their homegrown guys that deserve the bag. And at this point, it seems like Brandon Ayuk is on a path to deserve the bag. So I'm not worried about this working out in that regard. The only question I have is, how does Brandon Ayuk respond to that potential conversation if it's something that's frustrating him throughout this season? Well, and I'm sure the forehands would also say, hey, the market is going to dictate your value, which is going to be pretty high this offseason because yeah. you got Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb <laughs> in that class as opposed to Alan Lazard and uh, other not so top tier wide receivers in the previous class. Yeah. Um, that's also the reason why Debo Samuel got paid what he did because his wide receivers class was was paid a lot of cash. As far as reasons too, Mark, um, this for me is is pretty simple. Number one, it's the roster. Yes, first and foremost, this is a stacked team and a team that already got you to an NFC Championship that is largely returning and. Also had probably more question marks to the quarterback position, maybe entering last year than this one, um, injury aside. Number two is the coaching staff. I know that you lost D'Amico Ryans, but you still have Kyle Shanahan, who no matter under center, I trust to be able to get requisite production out of to the point where this defense is going to be successful enough to sustain leads and for the offense to, even if they're marginal, to begin the year, which is probably more expected than not uh, to win enough football games to keep you at the top of your division, which is the most important part. And the third is the front office. I know that John Lynch doesn't get a ton of credit for, uh, you know, maybe the, the day-to-day operations. Uh, but to me, he has done a very good job at, as well as the rest of the front office at identifying those kind of later round selections. And what do they have a ton of this year? third round and beyond <laughs> selections. And I know it's not the sexiest thing in the world to discuss, but I expect a couple of those guys to contribute, whether it's on special teams, whether it's filling in for potential injuries. Uh, the 49ers have displayed a next man up mentality from the majority of the, the bottom half of their roster that says, I got to give the benefit of the doubt to this front office. So Obviously, the players come first. They're the ones on the field. They're the ones that win ball games. Uh, the coaching staff supplements that. And the front office, I think, puts together a group of guys that complement 
the first two points of the reason that I believe that this team not only is a Super Bowl threat, uh, but I expect to be coming out of the NFC this year. Uh, I'm with you. Everything that you said, I, I agree with 100%. Uh, but in addition to the players, in addition to the coaching staff, in addition to the front office, besides the team's physical characteristics, everything you just laid out, what makes me confident in the 49ers as a legitimate Super Bowl threat in 2023 is this sense that the team needs to take advantage of this year. It feels like this is the team's best chance to win a Super Bowl, and they might not have nearly as good of a chance for a long time to come. We've spent a lot of time this offseason talking about the decisions coming next offseason where the Niners likely have to choose between Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk. We spend a lot of time talking about Trent Williams, who you know may be the 49ers' best overall offensive player. He's 34 years old now. He might not be this great player for that much longer. There are tough decisions, tough calls coming. What do the 49ers do with Trey Lance as he approaches the end of his rookie contract? Are they going to continue riding with Brock Purdy? Can he get through an entire season healthy? These are all things that are on the horizon for the San Francisco 49ers. And considering the talent that they have on this roster and all those questions on the horizon, Evan, I think the 49ers are all in on trying to win the Super Bowl this year. And I think they signaled that originally when they traded for Christian McCaffrey at the trade deadline last season. That was the 49ers pushing all of their chips into the middle of the table, saying, all right, we know what our roster looks like a few years from now. We know what the questions are moving forward. We know we still have a lot of talent in the future, but we know we're going to be missing most likely a couple of really key and important pieces in 2025, 2026, and beyond. So what does that mean? The 49ers are set on doing everything in their power to bring home a Lombardi this season. And I think for me, in addition to all the talent that they have, the coaching staff, the front office, that mindset, that desire to do whatever it takes this season to try to win it all is what gives me the most confidence that they are a legitimate Super Bowl threat in 2023. Well, and the other part of that that we're discussing as well is uh, the conference. Uh, that that <laughs> that really is the other part that gives people a lot of confidence in the 49ers being a Super Bowl threat because you don't have to go through Kansas City. You don't have to go through Buffalo. You don't maybe have to go through New York. You don't have to go through Baltimore. You don't have to go through Cincinnati. You don't have to go through... There are multiple multiple AFC teams that I would be fearful of if the 49ers met potentially in the playoffs. And the NFC, there are some good teams. I don't want to belittle any of them. Oh, uh, come on, the th- belittle them. Come on. No, the, the, the threat is not nearly as high. <laughs> not even close. Uh, Philadelphia, absolutely. I know that we, we discussed previously why they might have fell off. Uh, I think they're going to be back right where they were last year. Dallas, I think, is also going to be back right where it was last year. And everyone else, it's pretty much up in the air at that point. Uh, so I, I think the NFC is also a big, and may, maybe just some, the biggest reason why the 49ers are a Super Bowl threat. Uh, but that, that's certainly something we can dig into, of course, as we move on. As we continue in the offseason, we're coming out to twice a week. 
on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. This is the 415ers Podcast. Please download, rate, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast from, especially the Odyssey app. Download there. That is Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. We'll be coming at you again on Thursday for your next episode. In the meantime, enjoy your midweek, and we'll talk to you next time.